Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid-lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one teenage boy. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozimet, mom to two boys, 12 and 7. I'm a middle school teacher and a writer. Welcome to the eighth episode of Two Lit Mamas. We've been exploring so many different kinds of books so far and movies and... Oh my God, so many. So many things I never even would have picked on my own. I know. It's so fun. So this week, we've had a book that has so many different things in it. So it's just one book, but it has stories, poems, graphic stories, all this in one thing. It's called The Creativity Project, and we're hoping it'll be helpful to parents who might have kids home this school year. So, But before we dive into that, Margie, how have you been, BFF? Okay, speaking of um, people that might have kids home or not, like this is literally the reality. No one knows. Everybody's traumatized. Um, we're still waiting the dis- decisions. I can't. I don't know when I'm going to work. I don't want to go to work. One day I'm like, oh, I can do this. The next day I'm like, I'm going to die if I go to work. I can't do this. So I've been doing all these projects, right? I'm literally hearkening back to my 4-H days where I spent the summer doing projects to get ready for the state fair. You know, yes. you know, and you're like, all you do is like focus in. Yes. So we decided to strip down all of the old bar stools. We are sanding wow. them. We are painting them. We made a wreath for the front door. We are now decoupaging. <laughs> like, decoupaging. We're, we're getting wow. ready to decoupage the TV trays in the living room. I'm just like, trying to keep myself from thinking about all of this school stuff. It's, it's like, it's, it's terrifying. Stressful. It's so stressful. You don't know what to do. I, I read an article and the guy was like, you know, there's no answer. There is no good answer. And I'm like, that is a hundred percent it. So that's a hundred percent it. There's no good answer. Yeah. Our uh, preschool finally made the decision to go virtual, which just, I just felt like it's this like huge a giant weight. Of relief. Uh, yeah. First of all, just knowing what's happening, but also with virtual, there's no like, oh, it might get disrupted in two weeks in or one or a day pivot. in. Yeah, there's none of that. We just know it's. And can I say, I work with the most amazing teachers who just dove right in with coming up with such creative, fun ways to engage kids uh, virtually and also like interacting like through dropping off kits and all this stuff. Oh, it's just, I think it's going to be a great year. That's awesome. And of course, we all know screens aren't the ultimate way for young, especially little kiddos, preschoolers to learn and interact and get their social skills. But I really think that it's it's where we're at and it's what we have to deal with. And well, it's and a bad year. Well, if you can make year, it work and yeah. do it like in a way that like, I think your idea of dropping kids off is awesome because it's a little bit of screen and a lot of like helping the parents. Yes. So you're like, here's a project we're going to help you through it. And you're not going to just be trying to struggle this all on your own. I think it's awesome. I'm so glad. Our school is a a cooperative. And so we also are creating ways for parents to interact and for parents to interact with teachers so that they have questions or concerns or want to make sure their child's on track, all that stuff. It'll be done virtually, but it'll be there. There'll be a huge support system. So, and I think that's better than nothing for one. And I also think it's better than wondering when the shoe's going to drop of when are we going to have to close or right. when is somebody going to get sick? That's the worst. That's the scariest thing. Like the thought of one of our students or parents or a coworker getting sick and something horrible happening. Yes. It's terrifying. Yes. But, you know, we also are getting so much anger 
from Mm -hmm. parents that want their kids to go back, but then the equal amount of support that are like, we got you, we're with you. We, we, we understand. Right. It's just really, it's so, it's just a crazy time. It is a crazy time. And on top of it, like, okay, I never, I'm 20 years. Oh God. It's like almost 25 at this point, but let's go with 20 because it makes me feel young. Like I've never been in a union. I never worked in a, I was never a union member, a member of any teaching union. And now I am. And they're good, like they're solid, but it's really intimidating. And I I watch these, like, you have to tune into the negotiation meetings. And I'm like, oh my God, it's going to take me like an entire box of wine to get through these. They're so stressful. (laughs) I'm not a negotiator, (laughs) but I would be like, shut up and give me what I want. But I mean, they're so well-spoken and it's fair and they don't get mad. I would get mad and I would be like, you people suck. I don't think you're being fair. They don't, they handle it well. So then there's like whisperings in the outer edges of like, well, we might need to strike. And I'm like, okay, I need someone to explain what that is. (laughs) Because does that mean we all do? Does that mean no one goes? I don't understand how this works. And I'm asking all my friends today, like texting, because, you know, like the first bits of information are coming out. And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? They're like, well, we don't know. And I'm like, see, you guys have all been in this union for years and you have no idea what, like, what it even means because they've never done it. I have a good friend of mine and she's just like, we're just writing off 2020. We're writing it off. You can't do any of the normal things that you can do this year. Just get over it. It's just the way it is and move on. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. I, however, have decided that the best thing I can do in this situation is to upgrade my normal Ray costume. So if we do strike, I'm totally (laughs) going to look like Sally Field circa 1979, was it? I think I'm going to be like Norma Ray. I'm going to get, I got the headband ready. I'm so psyched. I don't know what that means. And I'm sure that I'll have time to make signs and things just in case. Oh my gosh. I'm just adding it to my project list. Now there's going to be a picket line since the whole point is they don't want teachers in the classroom. Where will but I wear my costume? You can wear it on Zoom. You can okay. wear it on Zoom. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that they'll kick me out of the union soon because they're like, you're not a team player. I'm like, but I have a costume. Oh my God. So anyway, with all of that, now it's like, well, do I just like leave it and teach my kids at home? I don't know. So this book, whew, I looked at it with fresh eyes today. I really did. I was like, you know what? As I look at this from a parent, as opposed to just a teacher, Right. whole new perspective. Right. Well, that's why I pulled out another book too that I'll talk about towards the end that was written specifically for teachers. But now looking at it as a parent, I think it would be great too. So I'll yeah. get to that at the end. But Because girl, I'm telling you, we are in the trenches. We need everything we can get. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, and then on top of it, P.S., on top of it, we just found out that um, we have the first case is like not was literally found like over the border behind my house, not far away from the um, triple E, Eastern Equine Encephalitis. Yeah, that's a big one. That kills you. P.S. The mosquitoes carry it. And I found that in my backyard. And um, so then we have sharks. I don't know if you saw the news, but a woman was just mad, was died of a massive shark, shark attack, not very far away. And um, and then the jellyfish. So. Oh, and then there's a hurricane coming and I'm literally watching out my window. I had to silence my warnings because, yeah, I'm with your friend. Let's just write 2020 off. It is so (laughs) insane. All right. So should we talk about the book? Yeah, let's do it. Get off of hurricanes and natural disasters. I know, as if it's not bad enough with a pandemic. For the eighth episode of Tulip Mamas, we'll be discussing a book called The Creativity Project, which was edited by Colby Sharp. So let's get started. So back to the creativity project. So this book, I um, am notorious for like wandering around 
bookstores until something looks really exciting to me and whatever's kind of like on the end cap. I'm like, Ooh, let me look. So I was doing this last year. Um, it was at the, about this time last year, right before school started, the boys and I love to go to an unlikely story bookstore and it's right in Plainville. It's um, the bookstore that's owned by Jeff Kinney. This one was on an end cap and I'm like, Oh my God, this looks like such a cool idea. So I bought it and I got home and I read about five pages of it. And then I sent one to Heather because I'm like, Oh my God, you have to see this. This is amazing. So I read it at school. We did some stuff with it at school last year. Um, And then this year when I, I'll, I'll be honest, when I was dusting my bookshelves the other day, I was like, Oh my God, this is what we should do on the pod because it would be a great idea for all parents to own this book and to be able to kind of use it at their leisure. And today when I went online to look up a little more information, if you go to the website, the Creativity Project website is actually on uh, Colby Sharp's website. I found out all this other great information. It's just a really cool project. It's very well supported with the website. Colby Sharp, I think I've mentioned him before. He's got the five questions with Mr. Sharp on YouTube. And he's a teacher, he's an educator and a like a total literary nut job like us. And he knows everything about everything. And he asks five questions to all these famous writers. So they're really great. Check them out on YouTube. Pretty much anybody you want to know anything about, he's probably had a five minute conversation with them. Um, he's got some really cool stuff. His website is mrcolbysharp.com. I mean, this book is amazing and it's perfect, like I mentioned before, for parents to enjoy with their kids, but also, especially this year, if they're going to be doing e-learning and homeschooling and you need to kind of fill kids' time a little bit, I think it's great addition to anything that they're doing. Even just reading it with the kids, like the boys and I have been reading a lot more together just to kind of get them off the screens. All the old tricks of like things to motivate them. By this point, we've been home together for what, like six months. You need some new tricks to kind of like bribe them into <laughs> learning or something like that. So we've you know been looking at like, let's look at the picture. Oh, this picture is awesome. What do you think the story is? And then we can read the story behind it in the book. So what were your favorites? There's a, I mean, there's a gazillion. P.S. And everybody who's everybody has got something in this book. They didn't ask me. I guess they didn't know my email address. <laughs> um, I, he didn't ask you either. And I'm like, hey, no. wait a minute. I guess he didn't have your email address. Maybe. Maybe it was hard to find. I was moving at the time. That's probably why. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's every famous children's book author is in this book. Jewel Parker Rhodes, Linda Sue Park, Andrea Davis Pinckney, Kate Messner, Kate Camillo. It's a really hardcore group of people. Right. And basically it breaks down to where one author provides a prompt and another author or illustrator replies with a response. So you have art and story and poetry all mixed in. And just like these awesome little sort of poetic doodle graphics. I mean, there's just a little bit of everything. It's so perfect. It's how kids should react to a prompt. Like you want to write it? You want to draw it? Do you want to, how do you want to respond? That's what I think is so interesting about the book is it's like, there's no one right way or one wrong way. There's no one way to have a prompt. There's no one way to respond to it. And I think that should be so encouraging to teachers to, and to kids to be able to like, oh, okay, I can do whatever I want to respond. And I know this is kind of geared towards older kids, but I really think it applies to little kids too, because just because they can't write their responses or draw their responses maybe as well. There's also oral tradition of storytelling is amazing. And I know when my son was little, we used to come up with stories all the time. And I would either write them down or we would just share them back and forth, you know, mm-hmm. making up a story, taking turns, adding to it and stuff like that. And so it, it's, this is something you can use with little
little kids as well. We do that on car rides too with my little my little guy and I. We'll do that. We'll start a story and go from there. It's really fun. Yeah, there's always farts. I mean, there's always <laughs> like, oh, and then Mister Mister Johnson farted, or there's poop flying in the window. I mean, always has to, no matter what happens. We could start with like you know like a story about the Pope, and it ends up ending with like a fart war or something. We always had stories about our dogs. Our dog Spotty, when Matt, when my son was little, he flew. So in all of our stories, Spotty would fly. My son would always be like, well, you know, you wouldn't want anyone else to know that. So Spotty always had to land quickly if anybody else was around. So it was pretty cute. So only we knew that he flew. That's awesome. Did you write any down? Oh, yeah. I have them written down. Okay, yeah. Good. And uh, there's another one that we wrote together about um, a magical key, which I loved. And of course, that had a bathroom joke in it because this kid discovers a magical key that opens any door, but you don't have to like put the key in the door. Just if you walk by a door with your with holding the key, the door opens. And so, of course, there's lots of jokes about like dad on the toilet and nice. walks by and yeah, the door opens and yeah, stuff like that. It was pretty cute. That's so brilliant because like that would have been like 10 years ago at the very least. Yeah. Now we all, we, you do like you walk up to your car and it just opens because you have like fob in your pocket or whatever. Oh, that's true. I never even thought he about that. Very ahead of his time, that little nugget. So yeah, narrowing down my favorite things from this book was kind of tricky, but I'm going to go with my first one. Had a prompt from Sherman Alexi. I know, Margie, you're a little bit obsessed with him. He's most famous for The Absolute True Diary of a Part-Time Indian, which is a book for, is that YA? I think think it's considered YA because it's a little heavy. The topics are a little heavier for middle grade. Yeah. So he gave this really cool prompt asking for an American three-line poem, which I had to admit, I've never really heard of that before. And I thought that was really cool. Three-line poems are also known as tersets. And Mr. Lexi gave very specific instructions for the poem. He wanted it to have a famous or non-famous American person in the first line, then an American human-made landscape or place or object in the second line, and then make those two American things collide in the third line. So he gave an example, and it was, my father wants to be buried in the same cemetery as Bruce Lee, two dragons at rest. So it's kind of haiku-ish, but it's specifically about American themes. So Kate Messner, who's one of my favorite picture book authors, I know her best in the picture book world. She has the most beautiful picture books. She has one called Over and Under the Snow, one called Over and Under in the Pond. And then I just got her newest one, Up in the Garden, Down in the Dirt. And they're just so beautiful. And I always love those kind of activities that um, talk about where things are in space. I always did this fun activity with the preschoolers where I held up a stocking, like a Christmas stocking. Mm -hmm. And then I had this scented pine cone that smelled like cinnamon. And I would hold it in front of the stocking. I'd say, you know, where's the pine cone? And they would yell out or I'd hold it behind it or under it or over it. And I'd put it inside it and they would yell out where it was. And it was so cute. And that's also kind of like a beginning reading skill or writing skill too. So just full disclosure, we still work on those things with my husband because you know, like that's the one <laughs> thing that's so hard to figure out in a second language. Right? Like, is it on the table? And the kids are are awesome. 
the tables are turned now that the older one is trying to learn how to say these things in Turkish because he's taking <laughs> he's doing Turkish now he's learning Turkish officially learning Turkish not just like the, the spoken Turkish we use at home so he's like oh I can't remember because like, you close the light it's not turn off the light so it's interesting but yeah those books are great for little kids but they're also really awesome for like second language learners <laughs> oh that's a good point Kate also which I wasn't aware of has these Ranger in Time series books about a time traveling golden retriever how amazing does that sound and those are for seven to ten year olds I was gonna say I feel like I've read one of those yeah I don't think I have so I'll have to check those out but her poem obviously was kind of inspired by some studying she'd been doing for one of those books her response is this Waverly Woodson earned a medal of honor on Omaha Beach his shiny gold star blue ribbon White House invitation never came only the white boys got those So she's been studying this person, Waverly Woodson, who stormed Normandy on D-Day and never got his Medal of Honor because he was African-American, which is so disgusting and disturbing. And that actually happened to people. So I'm a historical fiction buff. So that one really spoke to me and I enjoyed that one. So one of my first ones that I thought was really interesting, the prompt was from RJ Palacino, Palacio, Palacio, I always say it wrong. Uh, the woman who wrote Wonder, but um, her prompt was very long. It was like almost a page long. And it was basically these kids find a lamp and no matter what they do, they can't turn the lamp off. So they even try to like smash it, everything, but they can't turn the light off. And the light actually shows their inner thoughts. So that's the prompt. Cool. Dave Pilkey, who is a hero of mine, and he's, you know, the writer of Dogman and those, he's also a very, very outspoken advocate for kids with ADHD and dyslexia. And he does a lot to kind of make that known. He's very open about that. that. And having a child with ADHD and probably dyslexia at the rate we're going, I love it. As a teacher, I love it. I mean, tell us your problems. I always remember Henry Winkler wrote a series of books too. And he, isn't it Frank Zipper? I think Frank Zipper was his. And he was also had a lot of learning issues and was very open about that probably like 10 years ago that was kind of his the height of those books and that really it kind of like gives you a different a different look at those books because you see them from a different point of view and the kids that are have that kind of associate with them they're like oh yeah I love him because you know he's like me mm-hmm. anyway he wrote a response so the, there's three boys and two girls and they go into this building and they're in the light and he uses the whole first half he just rewrites the entire prompt that she, that she had given him and then they decide that they, they're in there and they have to get out. But the one girl who's narrating it, Rachel, she starts to be able to understand that she can hear the three boys' thoughts in her head. And they don't quite understand it. So they keep thinking these things. And as she says, she's like, that's because boys are slow and they don't catch on as fast as I did, which I'm like, girl, preach. <laughs> um, so the one boy, Raj, who is this sort of like, you know, altogether kind of guy, she can hear his inner voice when the light is near him talking about his insecurity about his man boobs and how he thinks he's chubby and she was like I never even heard the word man boobs what is this you know like and so therefore she's like has a totally different look at him and then she goes to like she turns to another kid and another kid uh Lee and his internal voice actually bullies him so he bullies himself with his internal voice like hello don't we all do that he's a phony and then he's a jerk and why do you lie about everything and all of a sudden at the end he was like thinking oh my god now Rachel's gonna know that you like her and she's like wait a minute I just heard him say that he likes me but now I can't like him because he's got this crazy going on in his head it was hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny because they can all like hear each other and they're trying to figure out 
how not to say it. And the more that they're not thinking it, then the more they can hear it. And then she goes, oh, he likes me. I groaned to myself a half hour ago. That news would have thrilled me. But now after hearing his inside voices and seeing him cower from them like a little kid, I don't know. How could anyone like anyone if you really knew what they were thinking? And finally, they all sort of break and they're trying to get out of there. It gets a little scary because they figure out they they just realize that they lost the other girl that came with them and they hear these stomps and screams and stuff. And then it just very much ends with like, oh, I think I found her. So you don't really know what happened. But it was so fun because it's like such a middle school kind of a vibe. You know, it's like, oh, these guys are a hot mess. How could I like him? He doesn't like he's insecure. It's funny too, because you, everybody has insecurities at that age. And to, and your biggest fear is that people know what you're thinking. Exactly. It's, it's like a horror story for middle graders. It's totally like, oh my God, she knows I like her. Oh, she, I see. Like, that's like the worst. It is totally a horror story for middle graders. Yeah, so, that's great. That was a really great one. And again, that one was the um, prompt was from RJ Palacino, Palacio. I don't want to put an N in it. It's like people always want to put an N in my last name. Maybe that's why. <laughs> um, and then that was written by Dave Pilkey. So that's fun. What's your, what's the next one? Okay. My next one, the prompt came from Minley, which I have to say I was not familiar with. That's another picture book author though. It looks like some really nice picture books. Oh, the prompt was, and it was an anagram challenge with the name of your favorite children's author. And the response came from Victoria Jameson, who is a very well-known graphic novelist. I think her best known book is Roller Girl, but she also has a series called Pets on the Loose that look fantastic. And I haven't read those yet, but they look really fun. And they it looks like they might have inspired her response to the anagram challenge. The response she chose was um, Beverly Cleary for her anagram challenge. And she draws these little mice trying moving around the letters to create anagrams. And they increasingly get more frustrated because they can't come up with a good anagram. It's a really hard one. I know. It's so cute. And so they go through several different anagrams that don't make any sense. They're just kind of gibberish. And then finally, the little mouse gets so frustrated that he ditches all the letters and he keeps the C, the B, and the Y. And he makes a motorcycle out of the B and the Y. And he puts the C on his head for a helmet. And then he makes the little motorcycle noise and drives away just like mouse on a motorcycle which i love those books that's awesome that's a really fun one and see this is what i love some of them have these like massive prompts and then like a seven page response and some of them have like two word prompt and like you know a, a picture in response they're just so cool um my other one that i like another one i th- think was the uh, the prompt was by lemony snicket of course you know a series of unfortunate events lemony snicket write a paragraph about one specific thing that makes it clear you are thinking about another specific thing entirely i wanted to read this one because jennifer holm did the response jennifer l holm um she wrote the 13th goldfish and the third mushroom oh okay she does a lot of really science heavy um books which i used a lot i used the 13th goldfish a lot when i when i taught science in indiana so i like her stuff the girl a girl is looking for her lunchbox in the lost and found and she gets bitten by a spider and her hand swells up so they send her to the nurse's office you're immediately like oh my god this is going to be some like tale of trauma and torture because this <laughs> poor girl's hand just keeps getting bigger and bigger and she's in the nurse's office and the nurse is like oh my god but then she's <laughs> this is why i love it she's sitting there next to this girl who's like got it having an asthma attack and is like <gasps> sucking on her in- inhaler 
I feel you, sister. And um, she starts, they start to talk and they start to talk about it. And basically what the real story is, a girl that got bitten by a spider was just so wrapped up in her head about being so lonely. She was so lonely because her family had just moved from California to Atlanta. She was sad. She missed her friends. She missed everything about it. And just sort of struck up a conversation. And by the end of their time in the nurse's office, you have like this awesome little budding friendship. And it was just a sweet little two page um, sort of dialogue story between these two girls about how it looks like, you know, it looks like we're going to be friends. And it was just very sweet. I liked it. It was just a was a nice little a nice little piece. Nice little hug. That's how a lot of these were. They just made you smile or laugh. Exactly. Yeah. There are a couple where I'm like, I didn't get it. (laughs) What did you think of the fluffle picking one? That was almost going to pick that one. I know me too, but I didn't, but it was so funny. I love that one. I That was one of the first ones I read when I first got this book. So just to explain, the picture is of a tree and a bunch of bears in a tree, like stuffed bears. Stuffed animals, yeah. And I think it's really funny because I got to look to that page. Who responded to that? It was page that? 50. It was Chris Grabenstein. And it was all about like, oh, it's time to go out and pick the bears. It was really funny. And it's funny because a lot of people did that bear hunting around here. I don't know if you guys did that in Indiana at the beginning of the quarantine. People would put bears yes. in trees and tie bears into like and windows. Bears and windows and stuff. And then you could go on a bear hunt. And it made me think of that because I thought that was really Oh, sweet. that's true. Yeah, they had to go. They picked bears and then they sold them to the carnival. That's what was so cute. It was just like you go pick lemons and sell them at the farm stand. It was a good story. It was really cute. I love it. I love the way people's minds think. But that was just another one that just made you happy to read it. It was so cute. Okay, so I'll, I'll do one last one that I had. Um, okay. Again, Kate Messner. Okay, I'm probably stalking her a little bit. (laughs) Add her to our restraining order list. I know. She wrote the prompt for this one. Prompt was that a person gets in the elevator and instead of levels or floor numbers, it's years on the buttons. And so you're supposed to choose one. And Andrea Davis Pickney wrote the response for this. And can I just say, she is amazing. She is this larger than life character who I saw her speak once and she just basically sings when she speaks. Like her presence, even through when I saw her speak, it was through a Zoom conference. And even through that, I was just amazed. She gives you like goosebumps because she's so cool. And she wrote this gorgeous, gorgeous poem about 1962. And it's dedicated basically to Jackie Robinson being initiated into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. And so she obviously chooses the 1962 floor to get off on. And it's just gorgeous. So I mean, I don't want to ruin it by reading too much of it. But let's see, I was going to see if I could find a stanza. Like, send that crimson-stitched white leather flying straight to the sun's eye, rising high on hope's horizon, while you glide through this room to stand alongside these amazing guys who are honored to be here with you, 42, graced under segregation's fire, you, 42, sheer sportsmanship. It's a really cool poem. I love it because it's also a very accessible poem because some, a lot of times with kids, poetry seems to, if it doesn't rhyme, they're like, oh, I don't get it. I can't have to say all of the poetry in here is very, it's easy. It's easy to get. It's really well done. It's well done and it also, but it also doesn't hold back. I mean, I think it's still oh, yeah. beautiful language, but it's just, like you said, more approachable for kids, more kid-centric. Yeah. Um, what's your last one? My last one. Okay. But what, we all know that I have this problem and I'm a total Adam Gidwitz fangirl. <laughs> so I, I, honest to God, I was like, I'm not going to pick him. I'm not going to pick his because I, I'm not going to. It's always so predictable. But I had to because it's so brilliant. 
So the prompt was a visual prompt. I love visual prompts. I think that they make your mind go in all kinds of bizarre places. So the visual prompt was from Sophie Blackall, who is a picture book artist. And it's interesting because her style is very feminine. And the picture is of a woman who you you assume is Asian. And she's got like long black hair tied neatly back in a bun. She's got this beautiful little necklace on and everything. She's sitting down on her lap is this massive fish. (laughs) I knew that was you were going to pick this story, by the way. It's so me. I love this story. I just think it's absolutely 100% hilarious. So Sophie Blackall wrote the Ivy and Bean series. They're beautiful. They're very, you know, picturesque. And then Adam Gidwitz is a, is a great juxtaposition. He wrote the Tales Dark and Grim series, the Unicorn Rescue Society about the Jersey Devil, which I'm absolutely obsessed with right now. They're so fun. Um, he wrote the So You Want to Be a Jedi. He's dark and he's funny and he's really got a, a fondness for all the really bizarre things like I do, like weirder the better. So this response is called Mr. Curl. And Mr. Curl, it goes by Mac. Our narrator is Chinami. And she's a young Japanese girl. And Mr. Curl or Mac is her mom's boyfriend, but he's a fish. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It's so funny. Her mom went on a fishing trip and they, they found him and he was the only talking fish and they reeled him in. And one of the women on the fishing boat was like, you should keep him. He's a catch. I mean, (laughs) Oh my God. It's brilliant. I was dying. I'm like, I'm laughing out loud. And she's like, (laughs) she brings him home in a big cooler. And she's like, I'd like you to meet my new boyfriend. And my favorite line, it's super awkward meeting your mom's new boyfriend, especially when he's a fish. (laughs) You have no idea where the story is going to go. No, no, not at all. (laughs) He moved into our old toddler pool out under the carport, which also seemed premature to me. God. And it's all these, like they go to a party and they have the jug with Mr. Curl or Mac, excuse me. He says, call me Mac with Mac in it. And it's just so funny because <laughs> he's like, they, they put him into like into the car to go to the party and they put the seatbelt through the jug handle on his little tank. And he like pops up over the edge to talk to people at the party. Oh, I'm dying. I'm totally dying. And then she gets super mad because the one kid at school was like, you should make your mom's boyfriend into sushi. And she's like, that's just because I'm Japanese. That's not funny. And it's so then it starts to like get really interesting because then she's like starting to like him because she's like, you can't just say this. So she goes up against this teacher, the biology teacher, and she fails this huge test. And she fails the test because she writes about climate change and like the temperatures of the ocean changing and blah, blah, blah. And the teacher says, no, you didn't do it. You didn't show me any evidence because the teacher happens to be a climate change denier. Great, because we need that in the science industry. Then um, there's a special assembly. Mr. Excuse me, Mr. Mac. Mac says he can, you know, I can take care of it. She's like, no, 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 you're not my dad. You can't come in and take care of it. You're my fish. I don't know what you're calling my stepfish. Whatevs. Um, my, my mom's fish friend. Anyway, so they have this whole thing. And he comes in and gives this like heartfelt speech about climate change and the warming of the oceans and ha- what happened to his friends that lived in the coral reef and blah, 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 blah. So then she has a change of heart and she believes that, you know, hey, maybe he's a good guy. And by the end, they're out on a boat looking for him to say hi because they're making wedding plans. 
And they, he went home for a little while to the ocean to check things out. And they had the captain take the ship out to see if they could find him just, you know, to say hi and let's talk about wedding plans for the spring. So it was epic. It was just absolutely epic. I absolutely laughed my butt off. And I was like, this is awesome. And if you could only see the prompt, it just is so perfect because there's this beautiful, prim and proper little woman holding a giant fish on her lap. <laughs> and you're like, what the what? That was a good one. And Adam Gedwitz is just one of the most disturbingly brilliant people. I love his little dis- deranged mind. I love it. It was a good one. If you don't do anything else, buy the book just for that story. <laughs> Before we move on, there are how many prompts at the back of this book? for kids. Oh, there's a ton. I mean, it's pages and pages and pages. Yeah, there's like 50 pages or something. Oh, Gary Schmidt's in here too. I forgot about him. I like Gary Schmidt. There's word prompts, picture prompts, all kinds of prompts for you to do with your kids. So I thought that I would challenge Margie to a prompt off here. So I think we each need to pick a prompt and then we'll write a story for our blog. Okay. The prompt I was going to pick was from Kate to Camillo because she's awesome. And it says, find someone who is over 80 years old and ask them to tell you their clearest memory from childhood. Retell this memory in the third person and add one fictional flourish. So of course I had to pick that because of the historical fiction element of that, but it sounds so fun. So I don't even know anybody that's over 80. I've interviewed all of my, my grandpa my grandmas and their siblings. And so I have like a ton of stuff already, but I'll go find somebody new for this because it'd be kind of fun. Okay. So I actually forgot. I I found one earlier that I... I absolutely loved and it's by Kat Ye and you sit down in class and you realize you've forgotten to bring a pen. There's one lying on your desk so you pick it up and doodle a quick stick figure to see if it has any ink. It does but the figure you you just drew looks up at you and then jumps off the page. Ooh, I love it. And that would be fun to, to draw, to do a visual prompt, to, to do a story. You could do anything you want with it. Okay. Oh, it's so great. I love this book so much and my copy is so battered and beat up and worn because I just took it everywhere for like... The the first couple months I had it, I just took it to every class. Every time I had time to read or check anything out or anything I could pull from it. It's just a great idea. I just think that Colby Sharp is a hot new mind that like really has great stuff to offer. I like it. He also calls himself a literary advocate. I like that. Yes. I feel like that's a Aren't great title. Like I think we're literary advocates too. Yep. We're going to take a short break and come back with our little segment called Pick Six, in which we'll give you some of our tried and true ideas to keep creativity growing in your kiddos. All right, Heather, what are some things you do again and again to keep your students or your own son's creativity firing? Give me some of your pick six. Uh, My first one is, as I mentioned earlier, about a poetry book that I think is amazing. It was originally written for teachers, but I think parents could also use this too. And it's called The Poetry Friday Anthology. Poems for the School Year with Connections to the Common Core. And it was written by Sylvia Vardell and Janet Wong, or they compiled it because there's poetry from a bunch of different poets in here. And it's basically for K through fifth grade. So what they've done is collected poems and broken them down by grade. And so you have, um, you have poems for every week 
for 36 weeks and you're supposed to do it on Friday. It's supposed to be a fun like Friday activity. Mm -hmm. And that they were encouraging teachers to start doing this on Fridays, but obviously you could do it at home too. And then in the book, they have poems for every day. And then they also give you activities that you can tie to the poem to do with kiddos. So I picked like a kindergarten poem just to give you an example called The Petting Zoo by Laura Purdy Salas. Bossy goats, floppy dogs, silky bunnies, bristly hogs, milk a cow, find a nest. I like cuddling kittens best. Aww. How cute is that? So that's for little kindergartners. And then they give you examples of things that you can do with it. So like before reading the poem, ask your students or your kids to name animals that they might encounter at a petting zoo or a farm. I would say a farm because all those animals are from farms also. And then um, read the poem aloud again and invite them to make um, the corresponding animal noises, which is always something fun to do with little ones. It has five prompts like that for each poem. That's so nice. But I have to say, I'd probably last in preschool for like two minutes. And I'd be like, you need to stop with the cow now, Billy. Stop with the cow. Zip it. You too, Tina. Zip it. It goes all the way up to fifth grade. So there's a lot of big kid poems in here too that wouldn't have animal noises. Because I, I lose my mind. I, it's all a matter of like when it comes to education, your grade level is all a matter of your physical tolerance. Like it's what you can actually handle. I can handle fart jokes and immaturity so much better than I can handle like little kids. And I'm the opposite because I never know what to do with snarky behavior and older yeah, kids. See, snark is like my second language. That's like my mother tongue. So I'm okay with it. Yeah. It does not go well when I try to teach little kids. They're like, mm, she's so mean. <laughs> not really. I like the little ones and I can be patient and gentle with them. I don't have those bones. <laughs> Ask my boys. <laughs> so Anyway, I just highly recommend the Poetry Friday Anthology. It is on Amazon, I saw, because it's been out for quite a while now. I first discovered it when I was editor at Children's Magazines at U.S. Kids, and it came out then, and we wrote about it. And I honestly think that you could actually do the very same thing with any book of poetry you have at home, is just pick one yeah. to read them one day a week and come up with your own fun activities to do. I know when my son was young, Tommy DePaulo's Little Book of Poems was one of his favorite books to read. Oh, yeah. yeah, we read that a lot. And it's fun to just take one and think of fun things you can do to apply it, you know, to some activities or movement or anything like that. And then I used to use where the sidewalk ends in my preschool class, yeah. too. I've done that where I just pick up poem out of there. Those are a little bit more for older kids. So it would take me a while to find one that was appropriate. But they love to just talk about the imagery or talk about the rhymes in it or um, make motions to go with the poems. Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of stuff you can do with kids for that. So it's just a fun little activity. It might not take up that much time, but it'd be fun to do. But honestly, like not taking up too much time is a hundred percent what we look for because you don't right. know how long, you know, like your kids aren't going to, they're not going in for the long haul. Not when they're at home right. because you know, like, Oh yeah, right. I'm not going to, I could go play Minecraft. No, thank you. I'd rather right. do that, but I'll give you like 10 minutes, mom. So you feel better about yourself. Quality over quantity. Exactly. hundred percent. Well, one of the things that I love to do, there's an online prompt generator at Scholastic, Yes, which is so much fun. At the beginning of quarantine, my kids were really into it. And then they would, we would do it. We would write a story 
we would uh, use the prompt generator. They would come up with a ridiculous story and then they would send it to Aunt Hee Hee. I know. I and loved it. she would respond and use the generator to respond. And we had so much fun doing that. That was a lot of fun. We should do that again. We should. And it was really fun because the kids, like the little one would dictate. We used a lot of, we used voice to text a lot on the, on the Chromebook. Oh, that's smart. So he would just like do that. His older brother would fix it or whatever. And they came up with these ridiculous, ridiculous tales. But the prompt generator, it's on a Scholastic Story Starter Scrambler. That's what it's actually called. Yeah, wow. try to say that one fast. Story Starter Scrambler. Yes. I was going to say, we'll put a link on the page in the show notes. It's awesome. But you pick your grade. It goes from grade K to, K to one is one choice, two, three, or, or then four to six. So it kind of gets a little more difficult with each one. You get four. It's like a slot machine. It's like a slot machine. So you pull the first one you and you get the, like um, the, what you're going to be doing. So like the one I got today was describe an outfit for. So then the next one was the adjective and it's a square. And then the next one would be the noun, which is what I'm describing. And that was my ra- uh, race car. And then the last one was like another descriptor that never smiles. So you pick all four of them and then that's what you get. So describe an outfit for a square race car that never smiles. That's my task. Then I go to click to the next page, click the arrow to the next part. And I can either write it as a notebook entry, a letter, a newspaper article, or like a postcard. And whichever one of those you choose, it gives you the template and everything. You can type it right in there. You can write it on paper, you can type it in, and then you can even print it from there or submit to teacher, whatever you need to do. It's super fun. They're so ridiculous. If you get one of the four that you don't like, you can just push that specific button again. And they're appropriate and they don't have like farts in them, which is, you know, nice. I mean, I know I'm obsessing on this, but if you have little boys in your life, that's really something you have to worry about. So it's nice to have something that's funny, but yet still appropriate. So that's the one that we really like. In addition, like my second one, I'm going to jump on into my second, my second of my pick six is to use story prompts. But um, there's a lot of great story prompts out there. And one of them, there's a site, I'm going to put it on the blog again, thinkwritten.com. They have a bunch, about 300 great prompts. And then Squibbler had some really good ones. And I'm going to put that one on too, because it was kind of hard to find. And it had 140 prompts for our middle school and elementary kids. But a lot of them were sensory prompts, like open the window, look out for 30 seconds. What do you see? What do you smell? So I love those kind of things that are more about like getting all all involved. And that's a good one too, to use with little kids because they can just tell you, you don't have to write it down. You know, you can use that prompt. That's so fun. I love it. It's a good one for memory too. You know, I run that teen writers club and I will say, cause I give them a prompt every month and they can write for it if they want to, or they can bring in a work in progress. I don't um, make them do it. But I will say you have to have an open mind about what you're going to get back because it is so amazing mm-hmm. to see what they come up with from the prompts. And it's just stuff you never would have thought of. So you have to like just put the prompt out there in the world and then let go and see what comes back to you because your kids are going to come up with ingenious things that you never would have thought right. of. And it's so great because like you can talk it out, you can draw it out, you can do whatever you want with, you know, like there's a, a lot of really fun ones out there. Like the first five words that come to your mind and now write a story about them. That was one of the prompts I, I saw earlier today. It was really fun. One of my favorite ones I did at the preschool was I have this teddy bear that I bring to school with me and I say, okay, so we're going to write a story about what happened when this teddy bear came to school. And then I let them tell me like, what's your favorite thing at school? That's what they show the bear when the bear gets there, like their favorite thing 
doing at school? And then I ask them, what are some things that you think the bear should know about your school? And then they tell me all that stuff. And then I put it together in a little story for them with each of their responses. And it's so fun. It's so cute to see what they come up with. So anything that like jars their thinking, it's great. Because then once one kid gets an idea, it becomes like an infection. And the other person's like, oh, no, wait, we could do this. Oh, wait, we can do this. Yes. And it's really fun to see that creativity sort of sparkle, if you will. Sparkle some creativity. Sparkling creativity. What else you got in our pick six? My second two, I'm going to kind of put together too, like you did, because I think art and science are great ways to keep creativity going. You know, that's my jam. Yeah. And I'm all about the simpler, the better. And so I had a couple of activities that I did with my preschoolers that were really popular, but they were super easy and super simple. So one of them is painting with ice. And I know that's not like anything groundbreaking, but it was a really popular thing. And I would just take little plastic cups and I would put some food coloring in with some water and put a popsicle stick in it. Oh, cool. And then freeze it overnight and let them paint. It helps if you have kind of like a heavier stock of paper to paint it on. And so then they would just slide it across paper. I always use food coloring just in case they put it in their mouth, but you could also use like liquid watercolors or whatever colors you have. You could do it on the concrete outside. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a fun idea. Um, That was always really popular just because it was something different. And then the other ice related thing I have is a simple science experiment I did with my kiddos and they loved this. So I just have a bowl of regular water, a bowl of hot water, and then a bowl of ice. And then using tongs, they drop the ice in like the hot water or the regular temperature water and kind of see which one melts faster. It's just kind of a fun visual experiment. And it's good to use the tongs too, because that's perfect for fine motor skills, helping them develop those and little kids. I had some that did that for a really long time. It can get a little bit messy, but it's just water. So it dries. Okay. So we did this. We had an obsession with this. My little one had an obsession with this about last month because his brilliant mother decided that, oh, you want to see how they froze Han Solo in carbonite. Let's freeze a little action figure of Han Solo in ice. And we did. And then he became obsessed he froze everybody to see how they would freeze. What? How long would they freeze? How long would it take for them to get out? That's awesome. It's exactly what you're saying. Like you do it once, but the obsession goes out of control so fast. And that's creativity. Yeah, they take it to new levels. I'd also congratulations because in that whole time that you were talking, I did not sing Ice Ice Baby and it was going through my head the whole time. So I feel like I deserve <laughs> a little pat on the back. Ice Ice Baby. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, I had to get it out. Sorry. <laughs> It was stuck. <laughs> no, we're not drinking people. Oh, isn't that sad? I did have a cup of coffee. But honest to God, it's like it's like when people say stop, I always say collaborate and listen. <laughs> the 90s were hard on me. All right. So one of the other ones I have on my list of for the pick six, I kind of jumbled all over the place. But um my mom reminded me of this. So I've always had this obsession of like writing stories and uh writing like in my head. So I used to do this terrible thing to my mother every time we were ever in an airport. P.S. This is as an adult, not as a child, because I didn't fly as a child. I was poor. But like when I I remember like when we were going out to grad school or whatever, anytime we go anywhere Mm -hmm. and we're sitting in an airport, I would start telling her these huge elaborate stories about the people that we saw. Yes. I would be like, you see over there? Well, that's Linda. And Linda's going to go meet her new friend. And her new friend lives in Montana and his wife is dead. And I would just go on and on. And then all of a sudden, like after a couple plane rides, my mom would get in on it and she would just pick it up too. And she'd be like, well, Linda doesn't know that. (laughs) 
<laughs> and we would have these like massive elaborate stories to pass the time. And I think that I poisoned my children with this now too. And my kids are really good at this. If we're sitting around and we see people or whatever, we'll do this. And they'd be like, oh, well, that's because Gary's over there. And Gary is, you know, he's very angry. And my little one would be like, Gary's mad because he got his shoes stuck this morning. And that's not the shoes he wanted to wear. He wanted to wear a different pair of shoes. And we'll just go on and on and on. It's so fun. I don't know if it's just, you know, it's just us and we're weird, but it's really fun. And it's a great way to pass the time. And you can sort of safely kind of observe people and, and just go on and on and on. That reminds me of another thing that my husband used to do all the time with my son is make up new words to songs. Oh my God. <laughs> to tunes that you know, that you recognize, but it can, it can be even just a song on the radio that was playing right then. He would just make up new words for it. That would be like whatever is happening. He's, he still does it all the time. Your, your husband or your son? <laughs> <laughs> no, my husband. Actually, my son can probably do it now too because he's heard it his whole life. Right. I feel like you break them. Yeah. I mean, and in my case, it was really nice with my habit that I got to break my mom because even we were talking on the phone the other day and she started doing that or something. I'm like, see, I might have come along later, but I broke you. And now you know. It makes life more interesting. It made you more creative. Yeah. It was fun. One other quick idea that I wanted to share too do it working on visual stories. This is something we work on a lot with uh, my son because he is deaf on the website. It's really important for him to learn when to listen. And we can always check when he's listening and when he's hearing. Those are totally different things. So what it is is to do like a visual story prompt. We don't see him. He can't see, you know, like see his paper. He can't see my paper. And I'll say, okay, draw a small line on the left, on the right-hand corner of your page. Now draw a circle. Now draw a tree, put the apple on the tree. And just to see like how he does it and how he takes it in and, and which parts he caught or which ones he wasn't kind of working with his teacher did it a lot with the whole class and it was helpful his his uh deaf and hard of hearing teacher does it all the time and then she will make them because he, he's in a smaller group with deaf and hard of hearing kids and then she'll make them be the leaders that's another one too that's kind of a it gives them some creativity it's a lot of other skills involved in that hearing and listening and, and interpreting directions and i do a lot of drawing with my preschoolers where i have my whiteboard and then they have their little whiteboards and like sometimes I'll lead it or other times I'll ask them like, what do, what do you want me to draw today? And then they'll tell me what they want me to draw. It's just, you know, very basic stuff, but it's kind of fun because then they can see me thinking like, oh, how am I going to do that? And I usually kind of talk my process out loud like, oh, well, if I'm drawing a dog, it probably has, it has ears and it has a long nose and things like that. And then they can draw it on their boards too, or they can draw whatever they want. And usually I start out drawing faces with them. And that's led by me. Like I'll draw a circle and then I'll be like, what else is on your face? And then they tell me and I'll add those items and then they can draw it on their board too. But usually once they've gotten that down, then it turns into them telling me what to draw, which is pretty fun. Yeah. I'm always amazed at how quickly they pick all of that up. And it's such a good check-in because it's good for them because they realize at least with my son, oh, I wasn't paying attention. I'm totally lost, you know, and it really does click in and like, oh, that's why I start have to tune in at the beginning and pay attention all the way through. So, all right. So, well, this is awesome. I feel so like motivated. Oh my God, a new project. Maybe I'll take this creativity and I will channel it into my normal Ray costume. Maybe I can bedazzle <laughs> my union sign. Maybe like, you know, the headband, definitely. I could bedazzle that. I'm going to New Heights. Yeah. And if we don't strike, I don't know. I'll just wear it for Halloween. It's a win-win no matter what. And no one under the age of like 
40 will know who Norma Ray is, but I don't care because I do. <laughs> I love you, Sally Fields. I love you. Anyway, so what are we doing next time? For the next episode of Tulip Mamas, we'll be looking at representation of deaf and hard of hearing characters in middle grade lit. I wonder why. I wonder why we got that one. Hmm. Inspired yeah. by our one-eared wonder. It is. It's a huge thing to see representation. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I, I can't even tell you the book. We, I found a couple new ones. There's some old ones that I've already read. I'm so excited. So thank you for listening to Tulip Mamas. We really appreciate your support. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at www.twolitmamas.com where you can sign up to follow our blog. We're also on Facebook under 2TWO Lit Mamas and on the Insta at number two Lit Mamas podcast. And um, just one other thing, we have a lot of more content on good ideas. A lot of these ideas will be in there on blog posts. So, or they already are by the time you get there, check us out. And if you want to join us twice a month for Kid Lit Discussions, please subscribe to our podcast through any of the places you get your podcasts. We'd also love a review if you have time for that. That'd be great. Anyway, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.